This is AA Beyond Belief, episode 131. In this episode, Angela and I continue our discussion of the 12 steps, today focusing on step 5, which involves sharing our story with another person. We cover a lot of ground here, taking a look at who we should choose to listen to our fourth step, what role should that person play as the hearer, what value is gained from doing this, and how thorough should we be. This is followed with a discussion of our experiences with therapy and the benefit we see in doing that. Angela, you're you're back from Phoenix, Arizona. I am. Yeah, I went to the Secular AA Conference there, the third biannual Arizona Secular AA Conference, and um, it was great. Yeah, it was it was really good. They they had wonderful speakers. They had wonderful panels. It was super organized. Um, good. I was I was very impressed with uh, what they were able to do in one day. I mean, yeah. it was it was good. Some of the panels they had um, were um, the first one I believe was on dogma and ritual and secular mm-hmm. AA. That was that was kind of cool. They were very prepared. They had researched, you know, the word dog dogma and the word ritual. And, uh. You know, just all sorts of stuff. So, um, so that was interesting. Um, and then Greg got up and he talked about the conference in DC and right. some of the the panels and things that uh, were going to happen there. Let's see, like uh, there'll be you know people who do art and therapy, uh, art and sobriety, and um, a certified Tai Chi specialist. You know, there'll be continuous AA meetings, which I don't know if there was at the last one, but I thought that was that was cool. So yeah. people can bring you know the format of their AA meeting and uh, and take one of those spots. Um, and uh, they're still going to be taking oral histories there, um, which mm. is important so that you know we can have an archive of of people who are secular in AA and and what their story has been. Um, and then there's going to be you know the a lot of science based uh, recovery information and speakers. So mm-hmm. so yeah, Greg talked about that. And then there was a panel on how to survive a conventional AA meeting. And it, you know, it talked about uh, just, you know, translating words and, you know, whether or not you want to say that you're secular or not, you know, just different things like that, that, uh, that people are curious about and, and what works for them. And, um, and then the one that I thought was really great was the um, raising secular awareness in AA through service work. And um, yeah, that one was, was great. It's something that, you know, I've become passionate about as I should be for my role, I guess, in, in uh, secular AA. But I really like, like it because it talked about having a GSR, a, a group service representative for your group. When we started our group, we kind of had one, but we weren't that involved. We were more concerned about, you know, our group and and maintaining a a group and stuff. Um, But then over the years, you know, the more you think about it, if you do have a representative um, and then they move up in the service structure and become part of like the district or on different committees, uh, the more people that you have that are involved, the less likely you're going to have difficulties within your area 
of your group because half of you will be on whatever committee is voting whether or not you should exist. Right. You know? so, um, so I really like that aspect as well as just that it, it does raise awareness. Um, sometimes people are scared that, uh, that we're here um, because they don't exactly know, you know what we do or you know, how we get sober and stay sober. And they have strange ideas that you know, we're sacrificing goats over burning big books or something. Yeah. And uh, so when they see that, that you know, we're just you know, people in recovery <laughs> like them and that we're doing stuff for other people in recovery, which is important, um, then yeah, it becomes a, less of an issue having groups like ours. So that was really great um, having, having or listening to that group and hearing the different um, avenues that that they went, like uh, being a part of an inner group or a central mm-hmm. office, because you know some places uh, don't have an inner group or you know central office. So, right. Yeah. So that that gave some some interesting things. I also um, spoke a little bit afterwards on that about um, working in the prisons because. <laughs> In our area, the person who coordinates the AA groups that go into um, prisons is the uh, religious services coordinator at oh, the yeah, prison. That's right. yeah. So yeah, so they get a little bit. They got confused as to who I was and and uh, what I was going to do because they weren't actually aware that the group, the two women from our group that were taking meetings in there, were doing a secularly formatted meeting, and so they weren't aware of of secular AA at all. And so, you know, when I had volunteered to be a speaker for that, which in our state you can speak like four times and you don't have to go through as much background mm-hmm. check, they they didn't know what that was. <laughs> and so, and then I was confused because I was getting a call from the state of Idaho Department of Corrections and uh-huh. the religious coordinator, and so it was kind of funny. That's anyway. funny. They just put a, <laughs> they put AA right into their religious services. Um, category, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, so anyway, I'm just bringing awareness that if people are wanting to do that, that that might be um, something that they'll need to think about or, or just know when they, they get ready to do that. Yeah. And then the last panel was um, uh, tolerance within secular AA. And one of the great things about that panel was, it, you know, it was um, mostly uh, Gen X or millennial age oh. people. And, um, and I, I really liked, you know, what they had to say again, you know, they really thought about what they were going to say and presented it well. And one of them, I liked that, uh, she said something about part of the tolerance is knowing that, um, that I may not believe in the same God that you don't believe in. And uh-huh. so, <laughs> and so keeping that as a thought when you're, you're in a secular meeting mm-hmm. um, or at a secular conference and, and such, because um, sometimes we can get uh, just as rigid and, uh, yeah. and yeah, judgmental as a lot of us are frustrated with traditional or conventional mm-hmm. AA as being. So, yeah, so it was, it was a great experience. I, I really liked it. I liked that they had the timings on it so that there was plenty of room after um, each um, panel for people from the, the um, who were attending to come up and share their experience. So it wasn't just questions. It was, you know, um, sharing experience because yeah, that's what a lot of us like to do is, is um, give our take on it or um, reflect on what somebody else has said and how that, you know, might've 
affected us or yeah and so there was plenty of time for that and uh, I thought that was important for the kind of event that we had so mm -hmm. Yeah. And there were people from all over. There were a couple of people from uh, Langley, uh, British Columbia, oh, that wow. are wanting to do one like that. And so they were there and um, Colorado and Montana and then, you know, California and, mm -hmm. and other places a little bit closer. So, um, wow. so that, that was pretty neat, too, the people who wow. trapped. I know they recorded it, too. And, I, and I, I sent an email to Beth and asked her if she could send me the some of the recordings I can post on A Beyond Belief, but I know eventually they're going to be posted on their Arizona website and I'll just steal them from there if I have to. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds so, good. All right. So we're going to do step five and I think we have some stuff to finish up from step four, but I can't, I can't yeah. really remember what we were going to finish up. I did get an email yeah. though from someone who had a question okay. and it was kind of an interesting question. And I think that back in my, early days, I would have absolutely been able to answer this question, but, she, but I don't know the answer now, but she says, what's the difference between self-centeredness and self-seeking? I'm mm. like, oh, I don't know. But you know, at the time I did this back like a gazillion years ago, when I was like very studious in the big book, there was a definite difference, but I just can't remember what it is now. I mean, I, I was just thinking that self-seeking is just like, um, that you're doing something, you're, you have ulterior motives, your, your motives right. are for, for yourself. Um, and then selfishness is just like a general um, attitude of, you know, that you carry about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I don't know the definitions necessarily either, but um, in my mind, self-seeking is, doing stuff that uh it's more of a neediness you know yeah. you're doing something to get something you need whereas self-centered is more of a a you know a place that your ideas and um and thoughts come from where you are at the center of the universe yeah um and whereas i can easily be self-seeking and you know wanting something to go my way and and to me it kind of goes a little more with being manipulative and such but yeah. And that question came from question. Megan, Megan F. Mm -hmm. um, and I also, you know, I don't, the first, when I first did this, mm -hmm. I got, when I first got an AA, I never thought of myself as being selfish. And I, I and I, I don't know if I really was, you know, the selfish bastard that they painted me to be, you know, really, right. but right. I guess I saw some value in at least asking the question, you know, I mean, I could see like just through my addiction um, to mm -hmm. alcohol that I was doing things that were that were that I was doing just to to keep my addiction going. And so right. I, I was thinking about myself and my needs and my problems and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, my world mm -hmm. was pretty small. It was just me hiding stuff from everybody else and manipulating people where I could. But those were behaviors I had. I. I, I, I think that deep down, deep down, I really wasn't, you know, I, I don't think there was really anything that was seriously deep in my psyche that caused me to be just a selfish bastard, but I did, right. I, I, I was behaving at the time in selfish ways, I suppose. But, um, I just remember at the yeah. time my sponsor just kept beating in my head how selfish I was. And, mm -hmm. and it was really kind of harmful to me at the time because I, um, you know, I was, I, my self-esteem was already pretty low and then, right. and, and then to have that thrown on top of it, but I don't know, I, 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 I bought it and I, and I tried to look at where I was selfish and self-centered mm -hmm. and, and I guess I learned something about myself, but 
there's some, I don't know, I think there's some caution that should be taken with that as well. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think that uh, my sponsor, uh, either of them, um, really talked about being selfish much um, because yeah. I think that is, you know, a little, a little bit more on the, um, the harsh side. It and is the, harsh. That's exactly uh, the word I was thinking. Yeah, it's a, it's the, a harsh way of looking at it. It's like, instead of, yeah, it's just. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's more of the ego deflating part of yeah. um, the fourth step that right. some people, you know, I guess need or the intention of it <laughs> at the time. That's, that's what Bill you Wilson know? needed, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah so I yeah. think that that's where that comes from, but it's not something that, uh, that, we talk about very much it, you know, I think occasionally if um, I'm working with somebody and they just can't um, see a part in their inventory, usually later, like Mm -hmm. with the eighth step or something and they're struggling on, you know, how they need to make amends to this person who, you know, isn't a great person anyway, or something like that, then kind of looking at, um, you know, in what ways, you know, were you being selfish in that relationship is something we talk about a little bit more, but, um, but it's usually after we've gone through and looked at both the negative and the positive of what um, our coping mechanisms are, Um, because then it's not as personal. I think earlier on we do take it as, you know, okay, great. I'm selfish too. So, you know, (laughs) I'm this selfish, self-centered, you know, drunk that just goes around destroying things. And, you know, and the truth was, is I, you know, I had those, some of those behaviors, but I yeah. wasn't a bad person. No. You know, I, I, you know, in my regular life, I didn't go around, you know, wreaking super havoc. You know, I, I was somewhat functional. I had lots of different <clears throat> jobs because I, you know, would get mad and leave them or not show up and stuff. But um, in general, I, you know, I wasn't that person on the street that, that, you know, was accosting people and mm. stuff. I, you know, I, I did good things. I, I helped people people. Um, so I wasn't that, uh, terrible, horrible, yeah. Person, um, yeah. needed an ego deflation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Focusing on that kind of stuff just kind of takes you away from the facts of what happened in my life, you know? So, right. It's, yeah. uh, it, uh, you know, it's, it depends on the person and everything. I guess I did find some value in it in the end, but, um, right. yeah, like I say, then we also got an email from Judy from Asheville, North Carolina and Asheville is a really beautiful place. I don't know if you've ever been there. Mm-hmm. No. My uncle had a cabin there and I got to spend like, oh, three or four weeks there once. It was just oh, wonderful. Wow. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they do have a, a secular meeting there. And she says that, that these podcasts have helped her um, with working the steps. And uh, she says that their group there, it's Atheist Agnostic and Freethinkers group. They just, they meet twice a week. So she kind of fills in the, her meeting time with podcasts. Yeah. That's cool. Very cool. Yeah. yeah, I like that. There was um, a couple of people at the, the Phoenix conference that uh, came up to me afterwards and, and said that they listened to the podcast and uh, really liked it. And, and that was kind of cool because I sometimes forget that people listen to our I podcast. I sometimes feel like we're doing this for us and making sense of our history and AA and, and everything. And then someone's like, oh, that was really helpful. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's on the Internet. It's amazing. <laughs> When you stop and think about the reach that this has, um, it's it blows me away. I, I'm I'm like you. I I never really stop to think about 
you know, how many people that we're reaching, but yeah. uh, a lot of people. In fact, we got an email from another, another person. His name is, um, oh gosh. Well, this is, this is from Peter. I got, we got a lot of emails this week. Yeah. Um, Peter just, uh, he listens, he listened to episodes 127 and 128. He really liked those. Oh yeah, this is the guy. He's from New York and he's traveling mm-hmm. through South America for the next five months. Oh wow. So he's listening to our podcast as he travels around. Yeah. <laughs> That's like kind of cool. cool. Yeah. 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 And then Chrissy B, she wrote I have to write her back. She wrote like a really long email. So I'm not gonna be able to read all of it. But okay. she's just she's just really nice. And she's she's just she found this podcast. She um is a uh she's also an adult child of an alcoholic. Oh yeah. And she um that, I think that's that's how she kind of got into the program. And she does have a sponsor who's a believer, um, mm-hmm. but she's been able to work that out anyway. She okay. she she likes podcasts, so cool. yeah. I mean, that's kind of yeah. nice um, to hear from people. And and, and usually, what I find um, the people people who listen who write that listen to the podcast, they usually write more detail about you know um, who they are, um, how they feel about the podcast. It's it's it, it go into more I, I guess it's a deeper connection than there is mm-hmm. like if you leave a comment about an article that you read, right? It's a completely different sort of a comment than the podcast comments that I that I get now. So, yeah. so occasionally those uh, YouTube aside because YouTube is where <laughs> it's crazy where but I, I kind of like that too because YouTube will criticize me <laughs> people on right, YouTube, which is cool. That's fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was one on on the Facebook group though that I I noticed um, that somebody had um, was curious about um, the sex inventory. Oh and, yeah, um, yeah, mm-hmm. and relationship inventory as I prefer to call it. <laughs> I look and at so, it that way too, actually. Yeah, and so um, so I thought I'd I'd you know look at that a little bit um, from what I got uh, from what the person posted and and other people said. Um, So um, again, I thought I'd reiterate that I I look at it as a relationship inventory and that it's really, you know, continuing to look at patterns and behaviors or um, tendencies that uh, I might have that no longer serve us. Um, So like my first sponsor didn't break it out into separate inventories. Um, It was all together. Um, But my, my second sponsor did, and I found it really helpful um, because I actually had some different patterns that I used in romantic relationships than I used with everyone else, like Mm -hmm. coworkers or family or like that and I'd never really thought about it before that I behave differently in those um, situations and so by doing that I got to see those patterns um, in a different way and then I, I wrote out a um, and relationship ideal um, uh, and that kind of put into you know what I would like myself to be in relationships so kind of mm-hmm. like an, an affirmation thing and um, and that was that was helpful for 
going into relationships after that because it gave me like a framework of something, you know, to look at as I'm getting into relationship or deciding, you know, if I want to continue, you know, I had this little ideal thing and does, you know, this person in this situation fit into the person that I want to be um, in sobriety, you know, and in society? Or am I lying to myself and just, you know, trying to make this person fit, which I was really, um, you know, good at doing, <laughs> or I did frequently before. So yeah, so I think it's it's just more of a um, being very specific about that part of our life um, because it's it's not something that we do talk about very much in regular society, let alone in the in the rooms. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's really you know pretty important. One of the the things that you'll often hear in AA meetings is the the two things that'll take you out are are you know romances and finances and yeah. um, and so, and yet, it's something that we we don't really talk that much about. Um, so he also talked about it, like um, in the meeting level, and that's a, an area where you know I think generalization is still important. Um, I think it's helpful, um, particularly at my home group. Um, you know, to, to talk about if you're struggling um, in relationship, you don't have to, but, but I do. And, uh, and other people have, and, and that's more of um, an honesty thing. And also because it is um, so, so difficult um, with uh, romances, you know, when you get sober, all of these feelings come out. And when you're in a, a love relationship, they like seem to explode sometimes. <laughs> and you're like, where is this coming from? And I haven't felt this way. Or why am I so angry? It seems like they're amplified within relationship. And, um, and so they're, they're often unexpected. So sharing it with the people that you're walking through sobriety with um, is really helpful so that they can, they can help you. They know where, where you're at with things. You know, if you, stop showing up at the meeting. They can, you know, send you a note to see how you are um, and just kind of walk through that experience with you. Um, but I know for my first several years that if somebody tried to talk about um, relationship, people would, you know, get mad and say, no, we don't talk about that here, wow. you know. And uh, and for me, it's it's a significant part of my my struggle in sobriety when I am struggling, you know, most of the time, um, things are pretty smooth sailing for me. Um, you know, there are things that come up and I get to learn all sorts of, uh, <laughs> of uh, learning experiences mm-hmm. and such. Um, but yeah, the, the relationship stuff is, is, um, is still um, difficult. And, um, and so having my group be able to walk through that with me and, and know where I am and, and show the honesty. And then it also shows people who are newer that you can walk through this, that you don't yeah. have to drink again, even if your heart is broken or something happens that you regret or, or whatever. Um, and it also allows the, the other people there to, um, to empathize, mm-hmm. you know, and to start doing these things that we need to learn to do to be productive members of society, like show empathy and uh, reflective listen and, um, yeah, and just uh, be open, you know. Yeah. Um, I think, it, uh, at least in my group, that some of the people, it's like the first time they've felt um, almost the privilege of um, somebody, you know, being honest with them about their feelings and being vulnerable, and, and that, that feels good. Um, it's sometimes scary, but it feels good to know that somebody's trusting you with something that's that's vulnerable. And so again, it's it's something that I think can benefit um, 
people to share where they're at and, and what their struggles are with it. You know, you don't have yeah. to go into great detail, but, but yeah, for me, it's, a, it's an important part of my sobriety. Yeah. I remember actually going through that. Um, and when I, the, I mean the inventory part of mm-hmm. the sex inventory thing. And I, honest to God, didn't relate to um, the big book the way they did it. Because mm-hmm. I, I mean, I just came from a different perspective. I was, um, you know, I was in my mid twenties. Um, alcohol drove me away from people. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have any relationships other than um, relationships that I I wouldn't start. I mean, it was just, um, and for, so for me, I had to learn about relationships when I was getting sober. I mean, I had to learn how to do a re- have a relationship when I was getting sober. Mm-hmm. And um, that was a painful process because I was really, I was an <laughs> yeah, adult. I was an adult, but I was learning what I should have learned in high school. Um, exactly. It was kind of embarrassing in a sense, but anyway, it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, that was an interesting little post in Facebook though. Yeah. I liked what Dale yeah. said. He says, he doesn't, he doesn't want to talk about sex with anybody, but his wife. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if that, if your wife is still around when you yeah. get sober, then, yeah. you know, that's, that's great. Uh, yeah. But yeah. for a lot of us, that's, that's not the case. True. It's hard to keep people around or want people around. Um, the other thing with that post that I wanted to touch on is that people responded to it, um, with uh, talking about sponsorship and trust and who you should sponsor or who you Mm -hmm. should share a fifth step with. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, getting into the fifth step, um, most of what I've read and and my experience has been that you can share your fifth step with anyone. Um, But um, for me, when I'm taking somebody through it, um, usually I go through a, a couple of, um, sections or a couple of people or, or lines, um, within each section with the person that I'm sponsoring just to make sure that they're going in, in a good direction. Um, sometimes when they start going through it, they take responsibility for everything in their life, um, even if it's not theirs. And so um, getting, when they're getting started, you know, correcting that early is better than, you know, showing up to do a fifth step and, and having it uh all wrong, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, and that can be very yeah, disheartening <laughs> mm-hmm. for people. So, so going through it that way, you know, is, is what I usually do unless somebody wants to take it um, to somebody else, which, you know, is, um, I understand as well. And so I know people who have taken it to, um, to priests, even if they're not Catholic um, and uh, people who take it to um, doctors or their therapist, of course, um, or a trusted friend that's outside of the program that, you know, um, doesn't know a lot of, of the people or things that the person's talking about. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, it's really, I think the point is to, to get relief um, from a lot of our secrets that, that still have a hold on us. Um, you know, um, ideally the sponsor, um, you know, in the sponsor dynamic, they'll, um, they'll relate to most of what you, you wrote, at least it's been my experience and in sponsoring, you know, you can relate to a lot of the the things, you know, it's not out of the ordinary. Um, and, uh, both of my sponsors, um, generally showed a, a lack of, being impressed yeah. <laughs> you know, with, with my crazy, wild, horrible, you know, person that, that I was, I was you know, in, in my mind, you know, it's, um, yeah, the, the shame is yeah. really, but you know, that I thought I was going to wow them with, you know, a couple of shameful, 
um, acts in my past and and they they didn't reinforce um, no. Same, you know, it, it, uh, even if they didn't have the same experience, yeah. you know, they talked in a general way about, you know, similarities and, and, uh, and so that was super, super important because as I've said before, there's, you know, a critical voice yeah. um, that a lot of us have mm -hmm. and, uh, and it likes to, you know, point out those things. And so, um, in doing that, it kind of let the voice that, uh, is more soothing have more power, like, okay, see, you know, this person didn't freak out, didn't run right. away, didn't, you know, um, decide to unfriend you or whatever because <laughs> would, of this. But wouldn't that be funny if you, if somebody, <laughs> somebody went to do a, a fist step with somebody and the oh, person was wow. like, oh man, you're a freak. You're yeah, just, that would be, well, and I think that's what the Facebook thing was about, was like, you know, oh. who's best worthy, you know, to, yeah. to do this. And it's like, yeah. you know, and I'm, and I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to get some email from that comment. Um, but I'm sure there are some people that, that that's happened or oh, maybe God. it didn't happen exactly like that, but maybe it yeah. felt like that, you yeah. know? Um, yeah. And so, so yeah, so um, it, it, you know, it is a possibility. It's very much a, a vulnerable place. Guess, and yeah. so, and so sometimes, you know, if you can, you know, do therapy while you're, you're going through the steps or getting sober, I think that's important because, you know, that person can help you discern um, who to share your fifth step with, you know, if the person you've asked to sponsor you seems to be, you know, an, an okay person to share that with or, mm -hmm. or not, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, uh, but yeah, for me, the, the release that I got from doing fifth step wasn't, you know, like a, a, burning bush moment or a big aha mm -hmm. it was really more of um that um letting my critical voice you know um, back off a little bit and it was more of a a sense of grace from that uh yeah. that voice and a um and a feeling of you know yeah you you might be somewhat normal and average <laughs> you know and not not that significant as far as you know shame is related and so um so i felt like i didn't have to hold on to those feelings of shame mm -hmm. as tightly as i i had been prior to doing a fifth step so i you know i can't say that they've all gone away and you know i'm happy joyous sure. and free um a lot of therapy <laughs> has helped me be more so um but you know that's that's kind of what uh what my experience was so you know i'd say if uh, people are concerned about doing a, a fifth step that that yeah um try to be discerning on on who you choose as a sponsor it's it's hard early on because you're new you don't know what's going on but um you know it's possible to ask somebody to be a temporary sponsor as you check out different groups and and see people's behavior and then that might help you or if you're able to then definitely therapy is is always my my first suggestion for people because while I was able to do this in recovery um you know some of it is luck and um and i just didn't have the money to and so you know what we're doing here is again suggestions on how to do it um mm -hmm. but yeah i would i would never suggest uh doing the uh fifth step or or um fourth step even um with just you know anybody that you saw in aa um some discernment is is helpful in that um, yeah some. You know, I haven't sponsored very many people <clears throat> since I've been mm -hmm. sober, which is kind of funny. I mean, um, 
it's interesting, I guess, that people don't look at me as being a sponsor, probably because I um, I don't really act like I know anything or I have any answers. <laughs> or, you know, I'm kind of a mess myself. You know, I don't think I don't think anybody looks at me as someone that can help them out. But right. I, ha- I have listened to like um, two fifth steps, and mm-hmm. that those were really those were wonderful experiences. They were very special experiences. Um, The first one was a younger guy and he went into detail, really um, amazing detail for his, through his entire life. And Mm -hmm. it was, it took um, several hours. um, But I, and I did mostly listen. I listened. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I I think I, I think I made him feel comfortable because I did relate to him. I mean, I had no problem Mm -hmm. relating to him there was no judgment or anything. And it was just, yeah. it was just his opportunity. I, I think, it, I think it, I think the benefit of it is from the teller uh, to, to, to listen to themselves more than anything else and to yeah. be heard that helped him. But the second one I did was, and this was the most recent one. And it was after we started our secular group and um, this guy, my age um, mm-hmm. wanted to do it with me. And he, so he came over to my house And I liked it because what he did, he just touched upon some key moments in his life, Mm -hmm. you know, that, that, that were, that, that he felt um, from, from his self-reflection of what impacted him, had the biggest impact on him. And, Mm -hmm. and that worked for him. And, and I can understand why, because when you, when you go through your fourth step, I mean, you might have a lot of different things that, that a lot of different resentments and memories and all this kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. you can probably boil them down into just a, a few um, things, you know, honestly, right. um, a, a few, a few critical things, but anyway, either way it was, it works well. It depends on the person, I guess. So, but I, yeah. I, it was a real honor for me to be able to listen to it and, and they were just very relaxed, um, comfortable, um, situations, um, mm-hmm. you know, for, you didn't make them do it on their knees no. um, in a coffee shop. That's, no. that's cool. No. Now, <laughs> when I did mine though, this is awful. Um, okay. So he had me, okay. The first one we did, it was like a two or three day ordeal. Anyway, the, the first time um, we were private in, in the AA hall, but the second time, and this is when the whole sex thing and inventories on uh, sex and relationships, all that stuff was at a park. And we were on a park bench and all these people would be walking by, you know, and I just, I just didn't feel like I had a lot of privacy and I was afraid to, you know, say anything as people were walking by. Right. So I'd, I'd wait for them to pass. Yeah. It just wasn't good. Right. Yeah, it, yeah. You really should do it like in a, like where you can close the door and be have some privacy. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly depending on the extent of it. So yeah, with younger people, I I find doing um, the more exhaustive, (laughs) I guess, is Mm -hmm. um, because they, they oftentimes um, don't uh, know their patterns yet. And so by writing all of it out and then looking at it, um, 
you can see the patterns easier and then, you know, go from that on wh what is the most Im important stuff. Um, and with one of the people that I'm working with now who, who's been in the program for a very long time, um, I'm just taking her through the steps in a secular way. Um, so she's been through them before. So we're just kind of, um, it's, it's kind of like uh, doing the steps light in that, um, you know, she'll just share a couple of things with me that, that are still either bugging her or that she still struggles with. Um, and then we talk about, you know, how the literature, how, you know, people in, in secular AA deal with the same kind of thing and, and work through the, that. And so, yeah, so it's a little bit different for me as well. But um, I do also really feel um, privileged for when somebody does share, you know, a fifth step with me or, or share anything, um, you know, and I think that's part of what what AA has to offer that um, that some of the other things don't or how it creates uh, more of a sense of either community or, or belonging, at least with another person, is that, you know, um, we go from a sense of shame or feeling bad about ourselves to, wow, you know, another person is sharing their vulnerability with me, you know, and so it gives you more of a... Um, a sense of uh, pride in, in yourself, which, you know, I, I know people are like, you have to get out of self in a lot of AA meetings. But again, yeah. for me, getting into self was mm -hmm. um, important. And so, yeah, and so it helped me to, to kind of see that I, I had changed, to see a change in myself, I guess, that I might not have noticed until I had that experience of somebody sharing, you know, their fifth step with me and, and mm -hmm. realizing, yeah, that, that I had changed, that this person trusts me and, and uh, gave me an extra sense of, you know, being trustworthy and, and what I need to do to, to maintain that. So, so yeah, so that was uh, one of the cool things for me. Um, uh, one of the things I was thinking about when we were getting ready for this part of the podcast of like form five, um, I, I wanted to do something more on it, but really what I was thinking about, I was watching the, um, the con Marie <laughs> or Marie con tidying up stuff. And that I was thinking about the whole fourth, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh process as being kind of like you know, the tidying up process. Mm. Um, did you watch any of, uh, she has a Netflix special. No, and she has, like, no, the book no. Of tidying up. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I think I know what you're talking about. Though. I've yeah. seen it. Yeah. Yeah. But you yeah. know, basically what she does is she has people go in and, and there's, you know, she has it in different sections of what you do, but the first is like going to all of your clothes, you know, closets, wherever you have them and then throwing them all usually on the bed. Mm. Um, and then you pick up each piece and decide, you know, um, is it useful? does it bring you joy is what she says, but is it still useful to you? And, um, and if it is, then you put it in, in one spot. And if it isn't, you decide whether, you know, it goes to thrift or garbage. Um, and uh, you thank it as you, you know, go to do that. So, you know, a little bit wooey in the, in the mm -hmm. Japanese tradition, but you know, it's a, it's an interesting thought. And so yeah. I thought that, you know, that's kind of how I feel like when you're going through the fourth step, you know, you throw all your stuff out there with your resentments or all, your stuff out there with um, with your fears um, or your relationship stuff and you examine each thing and, and figure out what your patterns are and stuff and then you decide if that uh, trait or um, characteristic is useful um, and then if it is you kind of you know set it aside to, to deal with later and or to put away in a way that you can understand how to use that tool um, 
or you, you know, put it someplace else so that, you know, so you don't use that one as much mm -hmm. like manipulation or, or control or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway, I, I, I thought I was laughing as I was watching that and, and each section she was going through and how, how they did that, like, you know, how to properly look at each thing. And then, you know, um, for me, I don't ask for, um, you know, any deity to take away my character defects. So I liked the idea of, you know, folding it up and putting it in a proper place so that, yeah. you know, if I need to use a disassociation because I'm being kidnapped or, you know, tortured or something, I can still, you know, take that out of my toolbox um, and use that, you know, that would really suck if, uh, you know, something were to happen like that. And then God took that away from me. And so, you know, that'd be a bummer. Yeah. Um, but that's not how I think about things. And so, so it made me laugh that, you know, the, the art of tidying up your brain or, or something <laughs> along those lines in sobriety. So, what do you think that people should expect from someone that that listens to their fifth step? I mean, I mean, I've heard some people um, sponsors will will actually try to draw stuff out of people. I, mm -hmm. I never did that so much. But mm -hmm. um, do you think that that the person who's listening to the fifth step should be asking questions or trying to guide the person in any way? Yeah, in my experience, um first it was like listening to the whole thing. So, yeah. um, you know, how I do it and how my sponsors did it was just listen to the whole thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, you know, and, and have that part. Um, but then, you know, the way that I do the sixth and seventh step is going back to it and, um, looking at different aspects and asking questions about, you know, did you really have a part in that, you know, um, or, you know, what did you, what did you learn from that particular experience that you've been, you know, holding on to all this time? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, so if it's like, you know, for me at a young age, I learned that I needed to have a lot of control because adults couldn't be trusted. And so, uh, you know, I've taken that with me and, um, and it's not always helpful, um, in working with others, <laughs> you know, and being cooperative because we're all adults. And so sometimes I have to remember that, yeah, I'm working with other adults. We're all adults and that, you know, I need to let other people do some of the work or, you know, something along those lines or in, or in relationship, you know, um, having interdependence and cooperating in that way. Um, sometimes that old habit of, you know, adults can't be trusted will pop up and mm -hmm. I'll need to take a look at that. So, so yeah, so when I go through, um, and we're doing six and seven, um, with, uh, the people I work with, um, we do look at those a little bit, but not during the actual fifth step. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's more of the, as we continue through the steps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, this really does set you up for um, steps six through nine, doesn't it? Because it, yeah. I think what it did for me when I, when after I did my fourth step and I had all that stuff in my head and then I took it to my sponsor and spoke it to him, it gave me some clarification, I guess, of I really, for me, I really did get the sense that I wasn't bad that mm -hmm. I wasn't you I wasn't um I wasn't unique in a in a bad way. I was I was right. I wasn't um you know a serial killer <laughs> whatever. Right. I was, you know I I was just a I was just a regular person and, and to a certain extent. I mean I mean I have yeah. I, I have these human traits. I I felt like um I don't know, I felt I did feel like um 
I was on the right track and I, I had a, I had a better understanding of myself and I had an understanding of the people who raised me mm-hmm. and I was able to have, uh, from, in my case, some, some understanding or forgiveness, I guess, because I could see that, um, I had, I knew where they came from. I just, I just had right. a better idea about who I was and why I was that way. And, yeah. I, and I knew to, I had a pretty good idea of who I needed to straighten things out with. And mm-hmm. who I and, and um, what I needed to change about myself because right. I did see some patterns. And in my case, one of the things mm-hmm. was um, I was really insecure, mm-hmm. I had a lot of fear and insecurity, mm-hmm. which kind of makes sense from the way I, I grew up. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, I, just being aware of that mm-hmm. helped me figure out well, how, how can I become a more, more secure? person you know which is a lifetime's work (laughs) right I think I'm better than I was for sure but you know um, there's always going to probably be some insecurity and so forth and maybe that's good but Mm -hmm. but um, it 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 was um, a huge part of of who I was and so it it did help I mean um, I don't know I I guess I could have probably done those things without the step five but I think the step five just really gave me some good clarification. I did get some feedback too from my sponsor. I, mm-hmm. I think mostly I got, mostly he would, um, he listened and mm-hmm. um, I think he, he would notice like if I was ever um, pausing or, or he could, he noticed if I was having some difficulty talking about something, he would, he, he knew that that was the thing I probably really needed to talk about. Right. And he did a pretty good job of drawing that out, of making me feel comfortable enough that that I could I could share that. Right. Um, so, yeah. So it, it, it did help a lot. And, and so that it's almost like these steps are all kind of flow together. But right. just kind of from that, that you know, you, you my list was made. I knew who I needed to make amends to or whatever. And I knew. I knew what I wanted to change about myself. I had a pretty good idea. Right. Yeah. That, that's been my experience too. You know, yeah. so with five, uh, again, some of the feedback was more on the checking with me on my part. If that part, if that really was my part, because again, I, I would often, um, you know, let's see, how should I say this? Um, in, Early in AA, in, you know, the conventional ones, I'd hear a lot about, you know, selfishness, like we talked about at the beginning and, and stuff. And so when I went to go do my fourth step, um, a lot of my part, I was thinking about, you know, the selfishness and that, you know, I must have been selfish in all of these different things. Otherwise, we wouldn't talk about it so much, right? Yeah. Um, and so it was a lot of um, correcting, <laughs> you know, that part, um, you know, my part in things. Um, and and uh, having another person's perspective to help me see those a little bit more clearly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that's part of why when I'm working with somebody on it, I have them do a couple, you know, early on um, with me so that they can get a better idea of how to look at their part instead of, you know, taking full responsibility for, you know, everything or thinking that they were, you know, always the selfish one in each situation because that's not always the case. And so, yeah, so that was my experience with um, 
with doing five. And then again, you know, the, the rest of it all runs into each other up until 10, you know, yeah. which is basically redoing a lot of what you've done before. But, um, but yeah, it was in, in six and seven that, you know, I got to hone uh, the, the coping mechanisms that were less useful for me um, and see what they were and why I used them, you know, where they came from and then develop for seven. It was more developing um, new strategies um, mm-hmm. that I wanted to, to use. If those situations came up, you know, we literally wrote them on note cards, you know, okay, if this comes up, you know, what are you, what would you like to do? What would you like your spon- responsibility? response B, um, you know, how would you like to act where you feel like you'd be more in integrity with who you want to be? Mm. And so, yeah, so those the six and seven often get overlooked, um, particularly in secular AA, because they, they, you know, are talking about God and giving. I know if you you focus too much on the God part, you really miss that. You really miss the what's really going on there. Yeah. Yeah. They were super. Yeah. Yeah, super but, important to me. Because yeah, me too. I, I think those are the more the two of the more interesting steps actually. That because um, when you're when you're when you're going through traditional AA, honestly, there's not a whole lot to be done with those steps. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> this is, yeah. you know, God does it all, so you don't really have to right. do anything. I right. mean, you give lip service right. to it, I guess. Yeah. And it's really yeah. funny if you do, it, I've talked about this before, but if you go to um, a regular meeting where they talk about um, their character defects. Everybody says that God hasn't removed them. Every they always say that they say, "Well, God still hasn't taken my character defects." I'm, you know, blah blah blah. And it's like, I just, well, (laughs) maybe there isn't a God that does that. I don't know. know? Right? Yeah. (laughs) Or even if there was, you know, maybe that that thing's expecting you to do the work. Yeah, maybe you should be doing something about it anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Fix me. I look forward. I do look forward to talking about those steps. That's really, honestly. That's where it, it the work really happens. You know, um, mm-hmm. I did. I went to therapy before I did steps four and five, but I <clears throat> but I, I I was going to a a place that's that charged on a sliding scale, and it was this um, counselor has a, a master's degree, and he was very helpful. But we didn't really go into a lot of detail. But after I did um, steps four and five. I, I went to a um, psychologist for therapy. I went through group therapy mm-hmm. and then I went through individual therapy. I was like in therapy for, I mean, like a couple of years anyway. I mean, yeah. it was quite a, quite a deal, but it, it was helpful to me because I, I would, that's that. And I guess what I'm trying to say is that's really where I started working step six and seven is through, was in therapy. Mm-hmm. That's when I really started making some changes about figuring out, um, how, how I want to cope with life going forward, you right. know? Um, and, and, and it did, it, it was, it was helpful. And I, you know, I haven't, it's been many, many years. I still see a, I still see a shrink because I'm on medication, but I, we, we don't ever talk about stuff. And, um, I was talking to her, I saw her yesterday and she said that she really believes that just taking the medication isn't really enough that you also need the therapy to, um, mm-hmm. really make the changes. And I don't know, I don't know why, you know, we were just talking, but it kind of put in my head that maybe it, it might not be a bad idea for me to, to look at doing that again. Um, it's not like I'm super miserable or anything, but, um, right. you know, this, it's been a yeah. while, you know? Yeah. No, um, I, I am 
uh, very much a supporter of uh, therapy and various types of therapy. Um, and, you know, maybe we need to do a podcast on therapy, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, there are different, different modalities and stuff. And I didn't know that when, you know, when I first got into therapy that, you know, there, there are different modalities that people are generally trained in and, and finding out about those. I mean, now with, you know, Google, you can go in and, and look at it and see what makes sense to you. Um, I've had a lot of different therapy throughout my life and uh, what's working um, well for me right now is um, EMDR and, and I I shunned EMDR for a long time and, and thought it seemed stupid. What is um, EMDR? But, what is um, it's, uh, oh, I can't remember what it stands for. It's like eye movement um, desensitization. Uh, uh. Um, yeah, something like that. And um, and it started out with like the, you know, putting, a, you know, someone's, the therapist would put a finger in front of your eyes, oh. you know, and go back and forth. And so, you know, that's what I thought was you know, kind of dumb. Um, but it has a lot of research behind it now. And what my therapist does is I actually hold on to like two little egg type things that have a buzz through them. And then um, I have headphones that have a little bean going back and forth. And then we talk about, you know, some of the difficult stuff that I've been through. And in talking about it and having my brain um, and body, you know, concentrating on these other things, um, different stuff will come up that I, you know, didn't know about or, um, or feel before. And it's uh, been really helpful for releasing some of the, the pent up emotions that, um, that were still there that, you know, I've had tons of therapy and gone through the steps and do all of this stuff, but there are still some, some little things that uh, I didn't realize were affecting me. Yeah. And, this was yeah. a way to bring that out. And then it, it's supposed to help your neurotransmitters um, develop a new path then. So when something resembles whatever that situation was, um, instead of going into panic or a, a negative um, behavior or thought pattern that I had developed, um, it uh, creates a new neural pathway. And so it, it doesn't affect me as much as it did previously. So, so yeah, so that's one, but there's, you know, there's lots of different kinds, just the regular talk therapy or, you know, psychotherapy, um, you know, looking into things more. There's, there's, yeah, quite a few modalities that I've been researching as of mm -hmm. late to mm -hmm. work with particularly trauma and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I also um, attend therapy with my partner mm. and um, that's really important um, it is difficult to find a, a really good couples therapist mm -hmm. um, particularly depending on where you are um, <laughs> you know um, in some places the you know the best ones kind of congregate because they get paid a lot more um, but uh, but I think that that's important and something that um, that people who are in recovery and in relationship um, should consider um, yeah. doing and, and um, a lot of them a lot of don't that's a lot yeah. takes a lot of courage to do that. And I, I can yeah. see how helpful that would be. The most yeah. difficult part about relationships, like um, for me being married, is mm -hmm. the communication. Mm -hmm. um, to communicate, to say what I need to say, you know, and to not be afraid to say it, to not mm -hmm. be afraid of a fight if that's what happens, you know. Right. It's like, you know, that's, that's the thing with me. It's like if something bothers me, I'm so reluctant to bring it up you know, mm -hmm. because I don't want to rock the boat, I guess. But yeah. what ultimately happens, the, the which the, the bad part about that is mm -hmm. I'm not letting it go. It's, it's mm -hmm. still, I'm still bugged by it, you know, right. and, and it does come out in other ways, you know, right. and, and um, uh, 
so yeah, it's so much yeah, better. It's like, yeah, it's never about the fish, you know. If you're yeah. fighting, you know, the fish tank or something, it's never <laughs> about the fish. It's always something else. And, That's right. And yeah, and so um, going to couples therapy, you know, my partner isn't um, an addict or in recovery or any way, mm. and so some of it is, you know, having another person help translate. <laughs> you know, yeah. that uh, sometimes I behave in weird ways or or whatever, um, and you know, this is why. Um, and some of it is is helping, you know, him be able to um, speak in ways that that like in meetings I can I can share just about anything I'm, I'm right. pretty comfortable because um, you know I I know my group and I know their um, their level of empathy and and uh, most of them have experienced similar things to me um, but when you're in co- close relationship um, yeah it uh, there are different things that come up um, a different sense of vulnerability and um, and sometimes it's just not as easy for me to share those things um, with somebody that I'm very close to because there's a, a much higher fear factor. Yeah. What if, if they don't like it? You know, what if they run away? What if, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so doing so in, in couples therapy helps put another person, mm. a neutral person there to kind of be able to share some things that, that maybe we've struggled with for yeah. a long time and uh, haven't been able to share because it's been too scary for one or the other. Yeah. Um, so I, I highly recommend it. Um, um, yeah. You know, it's it's um, super helpful for me, and and definitely if you're you know struggling and gonna get a divorce, you know at yeah. least try it. I know several people I, who, I have, who have given up like 15 year marriages without going to uh, couples therapy, and it's like I totally agree. Come with on, that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You should just give it a shot because it, it might be yeah. it might be fixable. It might just be something that you just haven't talked about you just haven't you know right. it's just a, yeah yeah I agree yeah and so going through <laughs> the steps we kind of got on, on a tangent but going through the steps has helped me also go to the the couples therapy because I, I I have worked on so many things and I know um so many of my um my go-to um coping mechanisms that when we are in therapy talking about different things I I can feel more um, assertive or clear in, you know, what is and isn't my, you know, side of the street. And whereas if I had gone to it, you know, before I had done the steps, um, or something, I, I think I would have been more insecure or, um, you know, something along those lines. But it also, if, you know, my partner brings up something that's annoying him and I know that that's part of my, something that was in my inventory, a character, you know, thing that I, I've been trying to change, then I can also accept that a little easier um, because I know it exists. So it doesn't, you know, hurt as much that somebody I love, you know, has noticed yeah. that within me. So, well, AA is kind of yeah. like, um, it's like a, kindergarten in a way it kind of gets you exactly. ready. it gets you ready for real psychology you know because <laughs> exactly because you, you kind of like okay i really am fucked up here and I, I, there there is actually a scientific way i can deal with it you know right i don't know yeah right. so yeah but yeah it is part of it i mean that's part of my recovery so oh yeah. definitely definitely well i think this was a good conversation i hope it has helpful to about step five yeah, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a scary step, but it's, uh, when, once you do it, I think it's, I think it's worthwhile. I think I, I, right. I would encourage people to give it, give it a shot. Um, yeah. It, and it hopefully they, they, you know, have some 
uh, more ideas on if, if they're concerned about it of, you know, who they can share it with if they choose to do it. And then again, as we, we always say, these are just suggestions. Not everybody takes steps. Not everybody takes all the steps. Not everybody does steps the way that we're talking about. Um, so it's all just, you know, stuff that has been our experience that we're trying to share for And that's another episode of AA Beyond Belief. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, if you'd like to help out our site and podcast, there's a couple of things you can do. First of all, go over to iTunes and leave us a review, hopefully a favorable one. You can also help out financially with either a recurring or one-time contribution. You can do this by setting up small recurring donations at our Patreon page, which you can find at patreon.com slash Belief or through PayPal at paypal.me slash aabeyondbelief. And you can always visit our site, aabeyondbelief.org, and click on the Donate button. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back again real soon with another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast.